0: I just want to let you know that this episode is almost fully transcribed and you'll find that transcription on the page for this episode on my website. Just click the link in the show notes or visit the archive on my website to find episode 660. If you'd like to support the podcast, you can always send me a donation using one of the donate buttons on my website, but there's absolutely no obligation to do that, of course. You could also consider signing up to Luke's English Podcast Premium to access my extra episodes focusing on vocab grammar and pronunciation go to teacherluke.co.uk slash premium to do that and remember that you could get some one-to-one lessons with a teacher on italki to work on your english and if you use my link teacherluke.co.uk slash talk and then buy some talking time with someone italki will send you a voucher for a free lesson which is not bad at all he said in that kind of voice You're listening to Luke's English Podcast. For more information, visit teacherluke.co.uk. Hello, listeners. Welcome to the podcast. As ever, I hope that you're doing okay out there in podcast land. I'm okay. Thanks very much for asking. Even if you didn't ask, I'm fine. I'm recording this on a Tuesday morning. My wife is looking after my daughter downstairs. This is my time for doing my work and stuff including recording episodes of my podcast. Does it help if you if you know that the weather is beautiful here today? Fantastic blue sky. The air is fresh because there are hardly any cars on the roads, so the air quality has improved massively, which is nice. It makes a nice change to the usual sort of polluted air that you get here in the center of Paris, where I live at this time. So, hello to you. Hello, if you're listening to this on some kind of podcasting app on your phone or maybe a tablet or something. So, hello to you if you're listening using something like Apple Podcasts or Google Podcasts or Pocket Casts or Podcast Addict or Castbox or one of the other podcast apps. Hello, if you're listening to this on Spotify. Uh, thank you for choosing to listen to this instead of all of the music that you could be listening to. Don't listen to music. Uh music's rubbish. Obviously, I don't mean that. He said music was rubbish. What's he talking about? I didn't really mean it. But uh, don't listen to music. Ugh. It's much better to listen to this, isn't it? Um, hello if you're listening to this on YouTube, because my episodes do go up onto YouTube just as an audio uh, file sort of thing with a, with a s- single static image. So hello if you're listening on YouTube. And um, you could consider turning on the automatic subtitles while you listen to this, if you'd like to. They are automatic subtitles, but I find that, especially when I'm just talking on my own, I find that those subtitles are about 95% accurate. Um, So anyway, that's an option for you. Uh, Hello, if you're listening to this on my website, Uh, teacherluke.co.uk where you'll find you know media players for all of the episodes and stuff hello if you're on the website and a special hello to those of you listening using the Luke's English podcast app Um, you're my favourites Yes, that's right. There is an app for listening to my podcast. It's available for iOS devices and Android devices. It's free. Just search the app store on your phone and you can download it. And you can listen to all of the episodes. The entire archive is there, plus loads and loads of bonus content too. Nice one. And I'm sure there are many other places you could be listening to this, like probably things like TuneIn Radio and uh, what else? Other stuff. Anyway, hello. Thank you for choosing my podcast. So as promised in the last one, here's an episode all about using TV series and films to improve your English. And this is actually a summary of advice from episode 523. I'm now going to start reading some of the notes and transcriptions I made in advance of uh, pressing the record button here in my podcastle. So... Have you heard the last episode of this podcast? That was episode number 659. In that one, I spoke to Cara Leopold about being stuck indoors during the lockdown. Cara is an English teacher who likes to help her students to improve their English with TV series and films. And we know that because of the lockdown, loads of people at the moment are watching more TV and films on platforms like Netflix and are probably thinking about how to use those things to learn English. Is that you? Have you been... Watching more TV and films and stuff, or maybe you've just been binging on episodes of Luke's English podcast, which is obviously a really great idea. Anyway, uh, maybe you've been, you know, watching more TV and films, and you've been thinking, I know that I I can do this. I I know that I can use uh, this stuff to help improve my English, but how? If only Luke would tell us. Uh, Well, if you heard the previous episode. You might remember that Cara and I talked about that a bit near the end of the last episode, and we also did a whole episode about this subject a couple of years ago. That was episode 523, and it was called Tips for Learning English with Films and TV Shows. So you could go back and listen to that, Uh, but you'll find it's like a full conversation with lots of other details and lots of of tangents and stuff. But the main aim of the conversation was to give you some tips for learning English and, and With films and TV shows. Now, I mentioned before, didn't I, that I would sum up the main bits of advice that Cara and I gave in that episode. So here we are. That's what I'm doing now. I'm going to consolidate some advice for learning English with TV series and films. So it's going to be a sort of summary of the stuff that I mentioned before. Uh, in episode 523 with Cara, but also I'm I'm adding some things and kind of generally kind of refreshing the ideas that I wrote before. So this is an episode about just tips for learning English with TV series and films. So I'm going to go through uh, that advice. And then when I've done that, I'll give you some personal recommendations for British TV shows and films that you can watch on Netflix. So if you have got a Netflix account and you're wondering what you could watch then I'll give you some recommendations. This is not just Netflix. You'll find a lot of this stuff elsewhere too. So, learning English with films and TV, a summary of advice. So, time and time again, we've heard this advice. Want to improve your English? Just watch TV series and films in English with English subtitles. I see that advice being given all the time. I kind of go on to I go onto forums and things, just generally kind of searching the internet for people's comments and thoughts about learning English. And so many times I see that as a piece of advice, just watch films and TV series in English. And I kind of think, really, that's it? Just that? It seems that people assume that you should just watch TV series in English with English subtitles and you will learn English magically as a consequence. People say that all the time. And I do actually think there is some truth in this. Watching lots of content in English is definitely a good idea, although of course it might not be enough on its own. There are plenty of other things you need to do, including regular speaking practice, writing, plenty of reading, using a systematic approach to learning vocab, taking time to understand how grammar works lots of things you could be doing. I suppose the thing is that there are, let's say, two approaches that seem to be important in learning a language. Okay, I'm I'm keeping it simple here by saying just two approaches. One approach involves absorbing loads of English just through reading and listening. This is exposure or immersion or comprehensible input, whatever you want to call it. You have to see and hear the language a lot if you want to be able to use it properly in the long run. So this is input. It's really important to get loads of English into your everyday life. You must regularly connect with English, get exposure to English, and immerse yourself in English. And binging on TV series is probably a pretty good and usually fun way to do that. Personally, I would say that podcasts are the best way, but, you know, whatever floats your boat. Ultimately, it's about finding the thing that you really want to do obviously, if you're a regular listener to my podcast, then you might agree with me. But if TV shows and films are your thing, then go for it. And in fact, it's a good idea to get a variety of input. So the point there is that you can get loads of English input from TV series and films in English. And there are so many amazing shows and films available uh, to us now. It's amazing. We are spoilt for choice. Anyway, input is important. Added to that is the importance of using the language regularly in order to communicate. This is output. So this means doing loads of speaking practice and writing practice in order to develop your ability to express yourself, find your voice, develop genuine fluency without just translating everything in your head. So plenty of input and output. I'm being quite general here. But anyway, the point is you've got to spend lots of time with the language, both in receptive and productive ways. Then the other approach is to be more systematic and disciplined. Examining the language in some way, understanding how the English language is structured, both in terms of grammar but also in terms of pronunciation, so that you know how English is not only written but also produced orally, how it sounds when people speak it, which helps you understand native speakers, and also how to speak fluently yourself. So this involves You know, controlled practice and it involves using monolingual dictionaries to expand your vocabulary and to investigate words. It involves doing controlled practice for grammar and pronunciation and finding ways to remember vocabulary. Okay, and throughout all of that, you need to maintain your motivation because enjoying the whole process is vital. If you're motivated, you're more likely to do more, spend more time on the language remember more things, and generally get into a more positive and confident frame of mind about your relationship with English. Using TV and films seems to fulfil the first category to some extent. That means input, because it allows you to immerse yourself in English to some extent. It allows you to spend lots of time absorbing the language, and it should be motivating, because watching TV and films should be enjoyable. It's also worth stating that learning English doesn't have to be a chore. It doesn't have to be a boring thing that you're forced to do by other people, like teachers or parents. I suppose people often say, just watch Netflix in English with English subtitles. They say that, and this feels like good news because it means this doesn't have to be boring homework. It can be enjoyable if you give it a chance. So getting addicted to a TV show in English is a good thing for your English. But is it just a case of just sitting back and watching all the episodes of Peaky Blinders or any other show that you're into? Is that all that's involved in it? What about other things I just mentioned, like speaking practice, writing, pronunciation, studying grammar and vocabulary? Well, it's possible to use TV and films in a more active way in order to achieve some of those things too, if you're willing to do more than just sit back and watch. Now, I don't propose that the advice I'm going to give here is is the be-all and end-all in terms of your process for learning a language. It's not the be-all and end-all. All I'm saying really is that on one level, you can just sit back and just watch the shows, maybe with the subtitles in English on or off sometimes, just sit back, relax and watch. That's one approach. The other approach is you can sort of, if you are prepared to think outside the box a little bit more and go the extra mile, you can use these TV series and films as a sort of learning resource. If you're inventive, you can use it in various ways to just push your learning a little bit further. But it's not the only thing you can do. There are other things that you need to do too. But I'm not going into those right now because we'd be here all day. So anyway, here are some bits of advice which did come up in my conversation with Kara, but given again and with a few other comments from me. So watching to learn English and watching just for pleasure are two different things. Watching in order to learn English might involve thinking outside the box and doing things a bit differently. Using TV and films for learning English is not just a simple or easy way to learn, despite what people say when they say, just watch stuff in English and bingo, you'll be a native speaker. It's not really that simple. In your first language, you might just switch on a film or a TV show and then kind of veg out while watching it without really concentrating. Now this probably won't work in English. You need to be prepared to focus and perhaps be more active while watching. And often that mainly involves using the English subtitles, which are a real advantage. That's one of the cool things about platforms like Netflix, that they offer you subtitles. And I do recommend choosing content that gives you the option to have English subtitles. Watching with subtitles in your language can be useful. So that's when you're watching a show in English, but you switch on the subtitles in your language. Now, that can be useful because you can see how things are being translated and you can compare your language with the English that you're hearing. But generally speaking, it's best to operate only in English. So I would recommend that you forget about subtitles in your language um, unless you're at a lower level. But generally, it's probably best to just try not to have any involvement of your first language in there. So forget about subtitles in your language or watching something in your language with English subtitles. Try not to combine the languages together. No, you'll end up just listening to your language or reading your language mostly. So I would recommend that you do everything in English. So put the audio in English and the subtitles in English too. That brings us to the next question, which is, so should I always watch with the English subtitles on. It's just English audio and English subtitles always. Well, there are no hard and fast rules about using subtitles. There are advantages and disadvantages to both options. And when I say both options, I mean with subtitles on in English and without subtitles on in English. So, Using English subtitles can help you understand what you're hearing, especially when you realize that spoken English and written English can be very different. Subtitles can help to bridge the gap between how words and sentences sound and how they're written. So you might hear something and then read the subtitles and kind of go, "Oh, right, oh, that's what she said. Ah, oh, right, that's it then." So it's, you know, you hear a noise and then you read what's actually been said and then it's kind of like a little revelation for you. Like, oh, right, that's what they're saying. That can be a great moment in language learning, that kind of, oh, oh, it's that, that kind of moment when you realise something. But watch out, because sometimes the subtitles are slightly different to the speech you're hearing, because they might have to use fewer words than were spoken in order to actually fit them on the screen. But that only happens occasionally. So the the the, the point still stands that it can be really nice to actually see what you're hearing. And it kind of allows you to get a grip on the spoken version of the language. It allows you to kind of decode all those noises and turn them into actual words that you probably already know to or have seen before. So an advantage of subtitles is that they help you to bridge the gap between what language sounds like and what it looks like. And when you listen without subtitles, you will no doubt miss a lot of what is being said without realising you're missing it. So that's the kind of advantage of using the subtitles. Helps you to understand what you're hearing. And also, um, without the subtitles, you're probably going to miss a lot of things without even realising you're missing it. Okay, but be aware that if you only ever watch with subtitles, you might not develop real listening skills, because you're basically, you're just reading while you watch. And as we know, in the real world, you don't get subtitles appearing in the air when people speak, unfortunately. Well, yet. I expect eventually you'll be able to get augmented reality glasses or perhaps some kind of biotechnology implant, which lets you see simultaneous automatic subtitles uh, when you when people talk, but not yet. But anyway, that, that sounds like something out of an episode of Black Mirror, doesn't it? You know, getting some kind of Implant in your brain, and then when people speak, you get like subtitles uh, in the air in front of you. That would be weird. Anyway, the point is, there are pros and cons of subtitles. So the point, yeah, what what was the point I just made? That you don't get subtitles appearing in the air, and also the the other problem is that. when you When you switch on subtitles you 're just reading really it's impossible I find to watch anything with the subtitles on the screen without reading the subtitles so sometimes i 'm watching a show with my wife and we put the English subtitles on because she 's French and she sometimes likes to read the subtitles in English um, so we 'll switch the subtitles on and i i 'm reading them too i can't not watch a show when the subtitles are on without reading those subtitles, which is kind of strange so. The point there is that uh, when you have the when you have the subtitles on naturally you will default to reading rather than listening so watch out there because you're still kind of practicing your re- you're still kind of practicing your reading skills and really you should be practicing your listening skills so anyway experiment with switching the subtitles on and off while you're watching in order to try to get the best of both worlds So on and off, maybe 10 minutes with them on, 10 minutes without, or maybe a whole episode with and a whole episode without. Mix it up a bit. Watch stuff more than once. So you can watch a film or show several times, especially if you enjoy it or you already know it. Some films improve with multiple viewings. In fact, I would say that if it's a good film or a good show, it will definitely improve the more you watch it because you'll notice more subtle details and you'll understand it better so try watching certain films several times perhaps first with subtitles in your language maybe and then subtitles in english and then a third time in english with no subtitles at all and you will be surprised at how much you how much more you notice how much more you understand, and how much more you remember after watching things numerous times. You'll probably appreciate the show or film on a new level too, if you do this. There's nothing wrong or weird about watching something more than once. Like I said, think outside the box a bit. If you're watching a TV show, you can alternate between watching episodes with and without subtitles. Perhaps do one episode with subtitles, then the next one without, And if you just can't understand episodes without subtitles, then maybe try watching the episode with subtitles first and then watch again without subtitles. Okay? Again, don't worry. That's not a weird thing to do. It's fine because I say so. Okay? So watching episodes twice in a row before you move on to the next one is fine. And it's fine because I've said it's fine. Okay? There you go. So if you if you suggest that with the person you're living with, let's watch that episode again, but with the subtitles on, or let's watch that episode again, but without the subtitles on, and your, your roommate or your boyfriend or girlfriend goes, what? Are you mad? Don't be a lunatic. And you could say, well, I'm not mad because Luke said it was okay. And then your partner will be like, oh, Luke. <laughs> I'm sure I've got some couples like that, where one person is a lepster and who kind of likes to follow my advice sometimes. And the other person is not a Lepster. And they're like, why are you always talking about Luke all the time? Who is this Luke? Um, Anyway, there are no rules here. Watching episodes several times is normal and useful, in my opinion. So we've talked about watching films several times, watching episodes several times, but you don't have to watch the entire thing again from the start. So it doesn't have to be the entire film or episode that you watch several times. You could just do that with certain scenes. So watch certain scenes several times with and without the subtitles. I don't know, like um what's the what was your favorite scene in the film or TV series? You could kind of spend time just on that scene. It makes it a bit more manageable if you break break it down into little bits. Um you could test yourself on what you heard. So like watch a scene or watch, you know, whatever, watch a scene, let's say, um, in English with no subtitles, and just kind of test yourself on what you heard. And then you can go back and watch it again and check with the subtitles. You could try watching a scene, then trying to explain what just happened and what people said. Then watch again with the subtitles in order to check. Now, I said, watch a scene, try to explain what happened, And what people said, then watch again with the subtitles in order to check. How do you explain? Well, when you explain what you saw, you can either do it out loud, just say it out loud, which again is a strange thing to do. It's not a conventional thing to do. Speak out loud uh, on your own. But it's okay uh, in this case because you're doing it to practice your language. So you could do it out loud or you could do it with a friend that you're watching with or you could just do it in writing. Maybe if you are taking that idea from Kara where you simultaneously watch a watch something, you're watching something at home and your friends or family somewhere else in their homes are watching and then you kind of have a WhatsApp chat either during it or afterwards, that could be a good opportunity to, to do that. So you could watch a scene and then together you kind of explain by chat what you saw or over the telephone or something. Or you could do it just in writing. You just write down what you think was going on, and then you listen again with the subtitles in order to check. So you could keep a sort of viewing diary for films or series. You could write down, so take a pad, call it your viewing diary, and then when you watch things, write down little summaries of scenes, episodes, or perhaps even whole films, although it's probably best to do it in smaller chunks. And then review the scene that you've written about by checking with subtitles and then rewrite your summary if necessary, if you kind of got anything wrong. This is a good way to flip listening practice into productive practice. And Remember, it's worth writing in English even if nobody else reads it. It's just a good idea to practice producing English regularly. Of course, it would be better if you had a language partner or coach or teacher who could check your writing and correct errors. And you could consider finding one on italki, teacherluke.co.uk slash talk, to get started with that. But doing it on your own is still a good idea. It's better than nothing. You could search for certain new bits of vocabulary when they come up. And this is easier when you've got subtitles on because you can see the words and then you know how they're spelt. And then you can immediately check them in a dictionary, um, monolingual dictionary. So I recommend using online dictionaries. They're free, like CollinsDictionary.com dot com or MacMillanDictionary.com dot com or Dictionary.Cambridge.org dot or the Longman Dictionary of Contemporary English Online, which is L-D-O-C-E dot com or Oxford Learners Dictionaries dot com, which I think is quite new. I think they've sort of redone their their online dictionary the oxford learner's dictionary online as com. that look that's fantastic i looked at that recently and it's excellent it gives you obviously the definition lots of examples the pronunciation but then loads of other things like collocations common phrases with those words in it's an it's an excellent dictionary and it's free to use online so all of those are decent dictionaries and you can check words and phrases, you can see examples, and crucially you can hear how the words are pronounced. It's worth taking a bit of time to get familiar with how these online dictionaries present information to you. It can it can massively pay off in your learning. So please resist the temptation to just use Google Translate to get a quick translation into uh, your language. It might be a super fast solution, but it's not really a healthy thing to do for your English long term. Monolingual dictionaries are amazing and they can really help you, so use them. Don't worry too much about certain specific cultural details, okay? When you're watching shows or films, sometimes sometimes you won't understand, obviously. It's going to be difficult to understand these films and TV shows all right it's not going to be easy i have to say that there will be there's challenge involved in this because you won't understand everything films and TV series are difficult to understand sometimes there are various reasons for that could be because of the audio there's the the dialogue is very naturalistic and it's not that not clear sometimes sometimes it it's uh, it's because these things are visual that the storytelling is being done visually and the the dialogue or the, the English that you can hear is actually secondary to the visual storytelling. So it's totally normal if it's difficult to understand TV series and films. But um, another reason why they might be difficult is because of certain cultural reference points. Sometimes characters will talk about stuff that you just don't know about. And that's not... You know, necessarily a problem with your English, it's just more a problem with your sort of general knowledge. For example, when I watch some American shows, they refer to places, people, sports, or events which I don't know about. And it does mean I get lost sometimes. Like these things are all contextual details that will help, let's say, an American viewer understand specifically what's going on. Like they know if a show takes place in. In like the in in a northern state, like in Minnesota or something like that, then um, they just know that certain characters behave in certain ways in those areas. But if you don't know about the geography of the United States, then you know you might be a bit more lost. So those are cultural things. I mean, it's so my point is, it's quite normal to get to feel a bit lost because of those things, and it's not necessarily because of your English. So when cultural references come up, like locations or other things that are being referenced, you could Google those things, of course, if you really need to, and then you could learn about them as you go. So like Google the location of the, the film or TV series to learn some basic things about that place. Um, you could do that. You could do some research or you could just not worry about them too much. But it's worth remembering that it might not be your English listening skills that prevent you from understanding. It could be your general knowledge too. Could be a chance for, you know, to do a bit of reading, though, couldn't it? Go onto Wikipedia and just sort of read about some of the details. Um, You could try transcribing certain scenes. I've talked about the benefits of transcribing lots of times on this podcast. Why not do it with uh, some scenes from what you're watching, especially if you thought that scene contained really cool dialogue? You could just then watch it again with the subtitles to check your transcription. Okay. Um, Now, it's also not just a case of what you're doing while you're watching. You could think about doing things both before and after you watch too. In fact, doing some preparation before you start watching something can really help you to understand it more while you're watching it. So before you watch a film or TV show, maybe you could check online reviews or summaries to help prepare yourself. Being prepared can help. Uh, If you know the general storyline or the tone of the thing that you're watching, it can help to prevent you getting lost, which ultimately is good because it allows you to enjoy it more. But watch out for spoilers, of course. Maybe you can search for a spoiler-free review of the thing that you're going to see, and this can really help put you in the right place before you actually click play. Similarly, after you've watched, you can read online reviews of what you've watched, And that way you can add some extra reading practice to your listening and you'll be a lot more engaged and invested in what you're reading. Personally, I like to read reviews or recaps of episodes of shows that I've watched. It helps me understand what I've seen. And also I like to read other people's opinions on episodes. You could do it too. Recently, I've been watching Fargo. Um, I got completely addicted to series one and two and a kind of in the evening, I've been watching episodes of Fargo. And I like to, an episode that I find sort of stunning, like if I see an episode that I think is amazing, like, wow, that is incredible. And because my wife isn't watching it with me, she's watching something else. I'm like, oh, I need to know what other people think of this. So I go online and I search for like Fargo series, uh, maybe Fargo season two, episode 10 recap or Fargo season two, episode 10 review, and then I can read what other people have written about it. And it could be a good idea for you to do that too. Uh, Websites like Den of Geek, uh, Vulture, The Independent, or The Guardian often do episode recaps of the big TV shows. And so I suggest that you read them after you've watched. Just Google it. Google like, you know, whatever, I don't know, Sherlock season one, episode one, recap, and you'll find someone summarising what happened. It can help you understand what's going on, and also um, you're doing reading practice. It can also help you to appreciate subtle details that you've missed, and you'll pick up bits of English from the articles that you'll read. So go the extra mile. It will pay off for your English later. If you find those online newspaper reviews to be a bit too wordy, sometimes people you know those articles are written in sort of fairly um, complex ways if you find them to be too wordy and too opinionated then you could consider reading like the imdb or wikipedia uh, plot summaries on those sites instead because they're often written in a slightly more plain style so uh, i would also recommend finding youtube reviews of the films or series that you've watched just go to YouTube and search for the title of the episode or film that you've seen plus the word review and see what you get. You'll find this is a great way to get more effective listening input because you'll be fully engaged in what you're listening to because you've just seen a thing and you're very curious to see what someone else is saying about it. You'll be on the same page as the person speaking in the video because you will understand all their reference points, you'll understand all the things they're referring to, and you'll be interacting with their opinions and thoughts a lot more. And this is an important part of turning listening input into intake. And by intake, I mean language that is more likely to stick with you. Um, Be a little selective in your viewing choices. Pick stuff that you would normally enjoy And remember that films and TV shows can contain very mumbly dialogue, as I said earlier, and even just kind of grunting during long fight scenes. So try to pick films that are pretty simple and perhaps comedies that focus on the dialogue rather than visual storytelling. Also, as Kara mentioned, some content is in a certain kind of register that might not be applicable to the English you need to use. Style of language. Documentaries, for example, feature a different style of English than conversational English that you might hear in content with natural dialogue between people. So there is the concept of kind of like a high surrender value, which is a sort of English teacher's concept. This is where you're supposed to teach your students language that they can immediately use, they can go away and use it immediately. That's the idea. So if you're watching documentaries about, yeah, the great British castles, I don't know how much of that is high surrender. You know, what's the, what's the value of learning vocab about castles? And that is, a, that is one point to be made. But I would actually argue that if you're interested in things like castles, then that, that's fine. It, that is more important, actually. Your motivation and your desire to listen and understand and engage with the topic is actually more important than most other things. Because in, for example, um, The Secrets of Great British Castles, which is a documentary series you can find on Netflix, in that it's not all just going to be specialist castle vocabulary. It's all tied together with the usual bits of English that we use to describe, explain, to tell stories, you know. So I think it's still got lots of value if that is a subject that appeals to you, um, but anyway, just bear in mind that like it might be a good idea to watch things that have just sort of the sort of English that you can then use, and I suppose that you're going to be using English mainly to to connect with people, to build relationships with people, to have dialogues with people. so you know, consider um, watching content that reflects that. I don't know, maybe you're, maybe you're going to be using English at work. Maybe you'll be using it to do presentations. In which case, it's, it's quite good to watch um, documentaries where a presenter is, dis- is telling a story and presenting information. Anyway, it's just worth considering that. Um, pronunciation and speaking. Now, there is the concept of shadowing, which is basically kind of repeating what you've, what you've heard. And this works for a lot of people. This involves, yeah, as I said, basically repeating what you hear. It can be a good way to essentially transcribe things orally. I mean, you're attempting to identify word for word what is being said and to replicate speech patterns. Um, So you could try repeating what you've heard. You'd need to use the pause button and there is the skip back button, especially on Netflix. There's that little button Um, which you can use to skip back just a few seconds, that would be useful. So you could maybe, you'll need to use your controller, you need to kind of, your thumb will have to do a lot of work, skipping back, pausing, switching subtitles on and off. Um, It's fairly easy to do those things on a computer or on a TV these days, There's normally just like one quick, a couple of clicks for the subtitles on and off, and so on. So you could play a bit, uh, pause, repeat, skip back, repeat it again, and skip back again, and switch the subtitles on, and see if you've said the same thing as uh, as what is written in the subtitles. Um, yeah, so um, when you come across words and phrases you don't know, these are opportunities to expand your vocabulary. That's when you um, go into those monolingual dictionaries, put the word in, check the... don't just check the meaning, check all the examples... And the pronunciation until you get until you feel comfortable that you know this word and all that stuff. Okay, so it's it's hard to practice your speaking on your own. We know this, but you can essentially do what you're doing with writing. So remember, I said like keeping a diary or summarise the things you've seen, give your opinions about what you've seen. If you write it all down in your viewing journal or viewing diary, you could do essentially that, but do it with your mouth rather than with your fingers. So that means actually speaking aloud and, you know, summarizing, sharing your thoughts and stuff like that. So that can be a thing you can do. But, you know, speaking does work best when you're speaking to another person, because speaking is not just speaking, it's also listening. It's about responding to what the other person has said. And, um, you know, speaking is a collaborative exercise, actually. So you could talk to the person you're living with if they're up for it, Otherwise, you could consider Italki again uh, to find yourself a one-to-one teacher or conversation partner. TeacherLuke.co.uk/talk. Of course, when you when you you know remember when you buy some talking time with Italki, they'll send you a voucher for a free lesson. Um, all right. So I want to mention motivation again and the importance of enjoying what you're watching or listening to. If you're not enjoying something that you're watching, then you. You definitely have permission to stop and choose something else instead. It might take a little while to find the right show for you. So don't force yourself to watch something that you don't like. Kind of shop around a bit until you've found the thing that really grabs you. Having said that, it's worth sticking with a show for a few episodes because sometimes some of these shows take a little while to, to kind of to grab you. But even after after 3 or 4 episodes if it's really not enjoyable, then you don't have to carry on. Just find something else. Um, because motivation is really, really important. Also, I've mentioned various things in this episode, like watching scenes or episodes several times, writing things down and then comparing with subtitles, shadowing, writing reviews and all that stuff. I do think it will help. But I know from experience that most people out there probably won't bother to do or any of those things. Yeah, I mean, but that's up to you. If you don't take initiative and do some of those things, or at least try them a bit, I suppose you will never know how they can help you. If you don't do anything more than just watch, then I suppose that's fine and on a base level. Don't feel bad about it, but try going out of your comfort zone a little bit if you can and trying some of these things. Let me restate the fact that understanding films and TV can be really hard, so don't worry too much if you don't understand hundred percent even in our first languages, we don't always understand what's going on in films. So don't beat yourself up if you're not able to understand it all. I often find when I'm watching films in my first language that I feel a bit overwhelmed sometimes by so many things. Like Maybe I'm a visual person or a musical person, I don't know, but I tend to get carried away by... I, I end up getting absorbed in in um, an actor's performance or just sort of exploring the faces of the actors or the physical side of the way they move, like the way they talk. Because I like to do impressions of, of actors and I don't consciously choose to focus on their mannerisms or their speech patterns, but that's kind of what I often focus on when i'm watching a, a a film or or tv series i'm kind of watching the way that they move and the way that their voice sounds and as a result i sometimes miss the, <laughs> i miss other things like plot details and stuff because i'm getting distracted by you know what robert de niro's face looks like or something and like oh it's funny the way he he does that with his with his mouth mm-hmm, you know um so you know films Can be difficult to understand. Even in our first languages, we don't always understand what's going on. So don't beat yourself up if you're not able to understand it all. Um, Of course, you can always listen to Luke's English podcast or whatever other listening resource you have that you can mostly understand, but it's worth pushing yourself sometimes. Hopefully, you get that. You get that opportunity to push yourself from a lot of my episodes because they feature a mix of me speaking on my own, which is probably easier to understand, with me speaking to guests, which is harder. But hopefully you'll find that you understand my content enough for language acquisition to happen. What's my point here? Well, I suppose it's that you've always got episodes of my podcast to listen to. But you should also explore films and TV shows too, and try to do more than just sit back on the sofa in comfort while doing it. Try to be a bit more active if you can. Now, there's probably a lot of other advice that could be given here. And if you have other things to add, why not share them in the comments section? Okay, so here are some Netflix recommendations for British English. There are loads of great shows in American English, of course, but I'm trying to narrow my focus to British English stuff here. Uh, So here are some shows and films in British English, which are on Netflix, which I've seen and can recommend. And um, now it's not just Netflix, of course, you you can find this stuff in many other places. And obviously other platforms are available. I just happen to be talking about Netflix um, in this section of the episode. So I'll mention the title, then I'll talk about the show or film a little bit. Uh, These are things, uh, these are all things which are available on Netflix where I am, in France, at the time of recording this. And that's April 2020. I'm saying that because sometimes, you know, depending on the region you're in, Netflix can kind of change its, its content for some reason. If you're using a VPN, that's not a problem for you. But anyway, and as I said, you can probably find a lot of this stuff elsewhere too, including on DVD. Some of these shows you will have seen before, I'm sure. Others will be new to you. I'll try to mention what kind of English you can hear in these shows, including accents. And I I could go on about all of these things in loads of detail. I'll try and keep it brief. Maybe I should time myself. No, I'm not going to do that. I'm just going to try and keep it brief. So Black Mirror is the first one. Black Mirror has been around for a while. A lot of these shows have been around for ages, but um, just some ideas if you're wondering what to watch. Black Mirror is actually quite scary and quite disturbing. I mentioned it in the last episode. So episodes of Black Mirror are interesting. Um, Each episode is has different characters and tells a different story. So each episode is like a standalone episode. It's not a a series where the character, you know, the story develops over each episode. Instead, each episode is a a unique story of its own. And they all take place in the context of some kind of new technology. So it could be, for example, forms of social media that allow you to um, uh, give people ratings which um, suddenly become tied to your social status. Or it could be things, for example, where you have brain implants that allow you to record everything that you experience and then like replay it. All sorts of stuff. It's really amazing, but quite disturbing because often episodes feature some kind of horrible existential nightmare That is brought about in the world because of the influence of new technology. But the show is so original and so kind of um, prescient in the way that it reflects our fears and our um, concerns in the real world. Uh, it's amazing. The first, I think the first two series were produced in the UK. And then after that, it became a Netflix production. And so you'll find that later episodes, maybe from season two or three and onwards, uh, feature a lot more American characters and American English. But um, it's probably about 50-50 British English and American English. But anyway, check it out. I think it's like essential viewing, really. Uh, But it is a bit disturbing. Next one is Sherlock, of course uh Sherlock is um is really good it's been around for ages now of course Benedict Cumberbatch as uh, Sherlock Holmes and Martin Freeman as uh Dr Watson and it's a modern telling of the Sherlock Holmes uh stories they've been some of those classic Sherlock Holmes stories have been used as the basis for these modern ones and um it's really good it's it's great i i, I love it what do i need to say about it it's a bit complicated though episodes are very long and it being Sherlock Holmes, there is a lot of mystery and um, uh, puzzles that need to be solved. And Sherlock himself speaks very, very quickly. He's obviously a, a brilliant man with an amazing mind, and he tends to speak very fast. So watch out for that. But it's one of the good good things about it is that it's all set in London. And so you get to see different parts of London, and it's all British English. So there you go, Sherlock. Um, Third one is The Crown, which uh, tells the story of um, the Queen, essentially, the life of the Queen. And um, I've just had a surprise visit from my daughter. You Want to say hello? No? Okay. Come on, have you got any advice for watching? uh, Have you got any advice for learning English from Netflix? What, what, what advice? <laughs> okay, that's not very useful. Hey, you've been watching stuff, haven't you? Wh- wh- which um, which things do you watch on the iPad? What do you watch on the iPad sometimes? Yeah. Which which? What's your favourite TV show? Yeah. Do you like Puffin Rock? No. No, I thought you did. What about um, Daniel Tiger? No. You don't like Daniel Tiger. Do you like Sean the Sheep? No. Can you say anything else except no? No. Do you ever say yes? No. Do you ever say no? No. All right. (laughs) Very useful. You're not quite ready, are you, for this podcast? Not yet. Can I say, do you want to say see you later then? See you later. All right. So shall we carry on? I was talking about The Crown. It tells the story of the Queen and the royal family and it's fascinating and it's very well made. Um, excellent performances, great act acting, great acting and I don't know, it's like Shakespearean in, in, in its storytelling in, to an extent. Just like the these grand narratives and dramatic personal stories and stuff. Um, and... Uh, one thing about the English, they speak in a very posh accent. It's quite old-fashioned and very upper-class posh English, which will probably be quite clear for you, but it's not how most people speak English these days. Next, we've got the show Afterlife, which is a Ricky Gervais TV show. And Afterlife tells the story of a guy who has lost his wife uh, to cancer. So his wife has died and He's like going through a, a grieving process, and it kind of that sounds very depressing. It's not that depressing. It's actually quite sweet, and it's quite funny as well in places. And it kind of shows you how he struggles to come to terms with the loss of his wife, and how he interacts with the people in his town. And um, I don't know. If you like Ricky Gervais, you'll probably like that show. It's not up there with his best stuff. But I think it's worth a watch. And the English that you'll hear in it is just normal, um, standard, everyday English that you might hear. You know, if you lived in a, in a small town, maybe just outside London or something, um, it's the sort of English that you would hear from ordinary people. Another show is Bodyguard. Bodyguard was one of the most successful TV series on British television in the last few years. And it's really just a kind of a classic crime thriller. And it tells the story of a guy who is a bodyguard and he is assigned to protect the life of a high-profile British um, politician. And there's like sexual tension involved because the politician he's protecting is a sort of a fairly sexy uh, middle-aged woman. And it's, it's got, you know, the usual things like sexy tension and action and um, British crime police uh, drama. And so if you wanted to watch a thing that so many other British people watched on television, I think it was maybe two years ago now that it first was broadcast, check out Bodyguard. The main character is from Scotland. He's got a a sort of a slight Scottish accent, but all the other characters mostly speak sort of the usual English that you would hear from normal people in London. I would say. Some films that you can find on Netflix. Uh, Sean of the Dead is an absolute classic. Sean of the Dead. um, It's uh, Simon Pegg and uh, Edgar Wright is the director. Uh, Simon Pegg is the star of the film. um, And uh, Simon and Edgar wrote the film together. Also, Nick Frost is in there. And loads of other actors that you might know from other uh, British TV shows and comedy shows and stuff. Sean of the Dead is brilliant and it's essentially a romantic comedy with zombies. It's funny, it's quite touching in some places, um, it's quite disgusting, it's got, you know, horror elements, comedy elements, and uh, it's very, very well made. It's extremely cleverly written and cleverly directed, and I highly recommend it. Um, Another one, which is also from the same team, the people who brought you Shaun of the Dead, is Hot Fuzz, and you can find Hot Fuzz on on uh, Netflix Hot fuzz is a story of a a brilliant police officer who is uh, a brilliant police officer in London who is sent to a small town in Eng- in the English countryside as a kind of punishment for being too good at his job because he's he's making the others look bad because he's such an excellent police officer so he's sent to work in a small town and in that small town he uncovers a kind of a sinister uh, criminal cult that's operating. It's a comedy in the same way that Shaun of the Dead is a, is basically a romantic comedy with zombies. Hot Fuzz is a kind of a, a buddy comedy, like, you know, those kind of sto- those uh, cop dramas, those cop action films from the United States, where it's all about the relationship between the two male characters, like Lethal Weapon or something like that. So a buddy comedy it's a buddy comedy with big action as well like lots of gunfights and explosions and intrigue and stuff like that it's very funny hot fuzz excellent script um lock stock and two smoking barrels and snatch are both available on netflix if you want to hear cockney english from cockney gangsters then you should check out these two films guy Ritchie was the director. Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels was the first film by Guy Ritchie. It's a bit like a sort of Tarantino. It's like British Tarantino, really. But good music. It's They're funny and lots of Cockney English in both cases. Um, Snatch, the, the other film, the second film, also stars Brad Pitt in, I think, probably my favourite of his roles. And in the film, he plays the part of a, an Irish gypsy who is a bare-knuckle boxer. And it's quite interesting because he speaks in a dialect that no one can understand. He's got such a strong accent that no one understands what he's saying. And, um, I mean, he's not the main character, but it's quite funny anyway to to hear him uh, speaking in this funny dialect. Most of the other characters are, I think they're mainly Cockneys again, a bit like Locked Stock and Two Smoking Barrels. So if you want a kind of funny, entertaining, action-packed um, couple of films with uh, Cockney English. Uh, Then you could check out Lock, Stock and Two Smoking Barrels and Snatch. Um, Another film that's available is The Remains of the Day. Remains of the Day, an excellent book by, is it Kazuo Ishiguro? It is, isn't it? Kazuo... Hold on. Kazuo Ishiguro... Um, Kazuo Ishiguro remains of the, yeah. So the book was originally by a Japanese writer called Kazuo Ishiguro, and it's about it's about a butler, a butler who worked in a um, a place called Darlington Hall, a stately home near Oxford. So it's a bit like the world of Downton Abbey. It's very much like the world of Downton Abbey, but I think it's better than Downton Abbey, really, because in the way that Downton Abbey is kind of pretty sort of simple, almost like a soap opera, The Remains of the Day is like a really good human um, story of a butler who's been working at this old English mansion for many, many years. And it just explores the ideas of like being reserved and uh, hiding your emotions um, about uh, dedication to your work at the cost of maybe your own personal um, enjoyment of your life. Emma Thompson is in it; she's brilliant. Anthony Hopkins plays the butler; he is brilliant. It's just an excellent little character study of a man who's devoted himself to—he's devoted himself to the disciplined work of a butler—and how his own personal feelings and his own personal feelings and desires have been repressed but how they kind of come out it's almost impossible to repress your 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 personal feelings and desires it's it's fascinating and excellent performances by Anthony Hopkins and Emma Thompson then we've got two Monty Python films and i mean i think Monty Python is essential viewing uh, um Monty Python and the Holy Grail. I did an episode about that years ago. You can check the archive for it. Monty Python and the Holy Grail is basically a completely ridiculous medieval comedy, and it's loosely based around the quest of King Arthur. Uh, So King Arthur trying to find the Holy Grail. But really, it's just a series of ridiculous sketches set in medieval England. Okay. Uh, It's brilliant, very funny, and um, essential viewing. Also, Monty Python's The Life of Brian is also a brilliant film. It's often voted the funniest uh, or even the best British film ever, or certainly the best British comedy ever. And it tells the story of a, a guy who lived, and it's obviously a fictional story, of a guy who lived um, around the time of Jesus. And it's it's not about Jesus. It's about someone who lived a similar life to Jesus. It's kind of a guy who accidentally ends up becoming a prophet. And uh, we know the story of Jesus that he was just a, a you know a guy from very um, very modest a um, very modest background who becomes a, a prophet and you know uh he he's followed by his disciples and you know you know jesus right you know jesus don't you um but the life of brian tells the story of brian and how brian sort of accidentally starts a religion and anyway it's i can't explain it really now in just a a minute or so but uh it's very very funny and it's it's recommended viewing those people who are you know if you are a, a, a religious person um I don't know if it'll it'll be your cup of tea um really it's it's not as blasphemous as people think it's not the story of jesus it's the story of someone else it's really about it's not critical of jesus himself it might be critical of the way that um religions spring up and how it's the, the, the never mind next we've got uh Wallace and Gromit, The Curse of the Were-Rabbit. Wallace and Gromit. This is an animated film. Do you know Wallace and Gromit? Wallace and Gromit. So Wallace... Oh, how can I explain this? Uh, Wallace is an inventor, and he uh, he likes to invent things. And there are other films featuring Wallace and Gromit. For example, um, there's one where Wallace and Gromit go to the moon. So Wallace invents a, a rocket which goes to the moon. Uh, another one is the wrong trousers, where Wallace invents these trousers, which uh, are like automatic trousers, which help you to do things. They stick to walls, so you can use them to do to to like clean the windows and stuff like that. You can climb up the wall and clean the windows and things. But the trousers kind of uh, get stolen by an evil uh, penguin. Um, have you seen that? The wrong trousers. All right, Gromit is his dog, and Gromit is kind of more intelligent than Wallace, although he doesn't speak. They're brilliant because they're animated using stop-motion animation, which is an uh, an old form of animation and it's um, a great tradition in animation. Uh, I guess the characters are made using plasticine and, you know, stop-motion animation where the plasticine figures are moved slightly and then they take a frame and they moved a little bit more and then they take a frame with the camera. Stop motion animation, which is very charming, and the the uh, production company that makes these films called Ardman Animations, really is I think the, the world's leading company in stop motion animation these days. And you can see the quality of it in their work. The film that I found on Netflix is called The Curse of the were Rabbit, which is a sort of a supernatural mystery thriller starring Wallace and Gromit about a, it's not a werewolf, but a were-rabbit. And it's just brilliant. It's just brilliant. And uh, very charming, very funny, incredibly effective visual storytelling. And it's great. There are also some stand-up comedy specials that you can find on Netflix. There's James A. Acaster's uh, series called Repertoire, where you'll see James doing his doing his stand-up comedy in his inimitable fashion. So check out James Acaster repertoire. If you'd like to know more about James Acaster, you could listen to the episode I did about him. Just search the uh, episode archive for James Acaster. That's A-C-A-S-T-E-R. There's also a special by um, a British comedian. He's he's actually Welsh, I think, called Greg Davies. And the, um, the special is called You Magnificent Beast. And Greg Davies is a sort of a kind of a slobbish, slightly disgusting, but very, very funny big man. And he used to be a teacher. And you can imagine that he was probably quite uh, quite an irritable teacher. If you can imagine when you were at school, sometimes you'd have these teachers and you got the sense that teaching wasn't really the thing that they really wanted to do in their lives, and that they were a bit frustrated by being a teacher. And yet, at the same time, they were incredibly funny and excellent storytellers. Those kind of teachers where sometimes, because they're in a bad mood, they would would choose not to do the normal lesson. Instead, they would choose to just kind of have fun telling you some stories or maybe even just making fun of people in the class, but doing it in a very funny way. So Greg Davies is a bit like that. He's essentially, he tells stories. And they're stories about things like stories about his mum, stories about sexual encounters he's had in his life. So Greg used to be a teacher, and then he eventually decided to become a a full-time stand-up comedian. Um, So yeah, really funny, but slightly disgusting uh, stories about his life. Um, Greg Davies, You Magnificent Beast. And then, of course, Jimmy Carr, who is a well-known English stand-up comedian. He specialises in doing very clever little jokes. And also, his comedy is quite offensive and sometimes disgusting. But he does it in such a good way that uh, he gets away with it. And he's very funny. And you can find the best of ultimate gold greatest hits. Jimmy Carr's probably like a best of stand-up compilation on uh, Netflix as well. So, anyway... There are plenty of others that you can find. Just use the search bar in Netflix to search for British and then search for British comedies or British movies or British TV shows, British crime shows or whatever. And as I've said before, it's not just Netflix. Obviously, there are lots of other platforms too, Um, like uh, what else? You know, you've got Amazon Prime, you've got Hulu, you've got HBO, uh, there's Apple TV Plus, there's Disney Plus, which I think may have arrived in some places. Um, Also... There are free things available on a website like openculture.com, which Kara mentioned before. Openculture.com. So go to openculture.com and spend time looking through the long list of free documentaries, free TV shows and films that they have there. A lot of the films are very old. That's why they're there, because they're freely available because they're so old. But you will find that there are some really good things in there too especially in the documentary section for example i found a documentary about pink floyd which was really fascinating i'm a fan of pink floyd and not as much as of other bands but um i'd very much like to do an episode about pink floyd uh one of one of one of my listeners has been badgering me to do an episode about pink floyd for years And the reason I haven't done it yet is just because I don't feel really prepared to talk about Pink Floyd because I don't know enough about them. I know the bits I know about Pink Floyd are the the sort of Sid Barrett part of their career. So that's the early part and their first album. And then essentially Dark Side of the Moon. Those are the only two albums I know of theirs really. So I feel like it's I I don't know enough about them to, to be able to do the subject justice. So I've In some spare moments, I've been trying to read about Pink Floyd, try to watch documentaries about them, um, read books. I ordered a a book about Pink Floyd. (laughs) I mean, not just because I want to do this episode, but also because I do find them fascinating. They're a mysterious band. And uh, anyway, so there is a documentary or two about Pink Floyd on openculture.com, as well as various other things that um, you might enjoy. Okay. All right. Well, there you go. Thank you very much for listening to this. I hope this has been useful. That's been the aim. I know I've been kind of going on and on and on and maybe even repeating myself a bit. That's kind of what I do, isn't it? But um, the aim has been to try to help you find other ways of using TV and films to improve your English beyond just sitting back and watching. Okay. Although if that's The only thing you're prepared to do, because during this lockdown, you you're so unmotivated that you can you can't bring yourself to do anything other than just press play and then veg out on the sofa. Then that's all right. Uh, at, At the very least, at least you'll be doing something involving English. But if you've got some level of motivation, try using some of the things I've mentioned in this conversation, in this conversation. Is it a conversation? Yes, of course it is, Luke. I don't know if you do. Do you do that? Do you kind of in your head respond to me while I'm doing this? No, not really. That would be weird. Okay, well you could. You could, like this, for example. We could have a conversation. Conversation now. So, how are you? I'm I'm okay, thanks. Good. Um, what you What are you doing? I'm listening to you. Uh, all right. Um, this is a good conversation, isn't it? No. <laughs> I don't know. Uh, what shall I do? Shall I Shall I sing a song at the end? Okay. For those of you who are not enthused about me singing, this is when you can imagine that the jingle is happening. Do, 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 do. -do. Bye, 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 You've been listening to Luke's English podcast, blah, blah, blah. Okay. Those of you who don't mind me singing, then carry on. Keep listening because I'm now going to pick something to to sing for you. I don't know what I'm going to choose, but we'll see. Okay. I'm going to put the microphone down, pause the podcast, and when I unpause, hopefully I will have chosen something that I can actually do. Okay. Okay, Luke. Good. Okay, so I found a song. It's called uh, Hooked on a Feeling. The band is Blue Suede, and this song features in a couple of films. It's in Reservoir Dogs, the Quentin Tarantino film, and it's also in one of the Guardians of the Galaxy films. One or two, I can't remember. And it starts with, uh, it starts with a bit that goes, hookah chaka, hookah chucker. I'm not going to do that bit, but you, you might remember that from the original. Hookah-chuckah, hookah-chuckah. And then it goes... I can't stop this feeling Deep inside of me Girl, you just don't realise What you do to me When you hold me In your arms so tight You let me know Everything's alright And I I'm hooked on a feeling I'm high on believing That you're in love with me Lips as sweet as candy Its taste is on my mind and Girl, you got me thirsty For another cup of wine I got a bug from you, girl But I don't need no cure And I just stay a victim If I can for sure All the good love When we're all alone Keep it up girl Yeah you turn me on And I I'm hooked on a feeling I'm high on believing That you're in love with me whoops all the good love when we're all alone keep it up girl yeah you turn me on and I I'm hooked on a feeling I'm high on believing that you're in love with me hooked on a feeling I'm high on believing that you're in love with me. Hooked on a feeling. I'm high on believing that you're in love with me. That's it. Thanks for listening. Speak to you again soon, but for now, goodbye. Bye. Bye.